Amen. All right, well, we're there in Galatians chapter number 6. I'd like you to look down at verse number 7, a very famous verse in Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. The Bible says this, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. And uh, we've spent the last couple of weeks uh, studying this idea of personal responsibility. We've been going through a three-week series on personal responsibility, and we called the series The Buck because we've kind of been using this play on words. And if you remember the first week, and I, and I would encourage you if, you, if you've missed any of these sermons, to go back on our YouTube or on our church's uh, website and uh, catch the MP3s or catch the videos because they really all build on each other. And uh, to, today... The sermon will help you all on its own, but it's really the climax of, of all these three thoughts coming together, and uh, I think it would be the most benefit to you if you could go back. But if you remember the first week, uh, the sermon was entitled, Passing the Buck. And if you remember, we learned that that phrase, passing the buck, uh, means to evade or avoid responsibility. It comes from uh, poker in the 1800s here in America where they would get, pass a buck knife around, and the buck knife uh, meant that you had the responsibility to deal for that game. And when someone did not want to take that responsibility, they would pass the buck. And of course, by the early 20th century, the meaning spread to transferring responsibility or shifting the blame, uh, not just in a uh, game of poker, but uh, in life in general. And we talk about passing the buck, and we learn from Scripture, how it's human nature and it's our tendency to want to shift the blame, to play the blame game, to pass the buck. And we learned about why the problems with that and why we don't want to do that. Then last week we talked about the buck stops here. And of course, the buck stops here was a phrase popularized by President uh, Truman, who kept a sign of that phrase on his desk in the Oval Office. And he referred to the fact that he had to make decisions, he had to be responsible. And we learned about what it means to be someone who is high in personal responsibility, someone who takes uh, their commitments seriously, and someone who takes accountability for those that follow him or her. And uh, today, the title of the sermon is Buck Up. And we're going to learn a little bit about this phrase. This phrase suggests that someone should not be downhearted or oppressed by their circumstances. It suggests that a person being, uh, uh, the person being addressed should stop acting uh, like a coward in face of their problems. And I want to explain to you a little bit about this, and I, I, I want to explain to you how this verse, because we're all, not only going to learn about this idea of bucking up and personal responsibility, but we're also going to learn about this biblical law or principle, this verse that we just read in verse 7, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. I want you to understand that this idea of sowing and reaping is a law that is found in Scripture. It is a principle in Scripture, and it's, it's, a, it's a law that is always true, and it always comes to pass. And we're going to learn about how that all connects and comes together to personal, uh, with personal responsibility. But before we do that, uh, I want to kind of build the context to the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul is writing, of course, a letter to the church in Galatia, and he's finishing up his letter in chapter 6. And of course, we come to that verse in verse 7, which is the verse that I want to talk about and apply for you today. But before we get there, I want to just kind of build the context so you understand the content of the message. And we're going to begin at verse number 1. We're going to just kind of walk through it and make sure you understand what he's talking about and kind of how he's building up to this principle of sowing and reaping. And what I'm going to do this morning, the sermon may be a little different, maybe not, but um, you know, 
I'm going to give you four statements in regards to the context of this phrase of whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. We're going to talk about that principle, and then we'll end with a few applications. And if you would write these statements down, I'd appreciate it. But let's, let's just begin by understanding a little bit of the context. If you look at verse 1 there in chapter 6, it says this, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one. In the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. And I want you to understand that the context of this passage is having to do, and, and, and he's finishing up this idea that as believers, we are responsible to help those in need. He says, if a man be overtaken in a fault, this is someone who is in need. Ye that are spiritual, he says, you that are mature, you that have grown in your responsibility, he says, restore such an one. He says, help that individual, bring them back to where they should be. Notice verse 2. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. He says, as believers, we will fulfill the law of Christ when we learn to bear one another's burdens. And the context here that he's explaining to us in verses 1 and 2 is that as Christians, we are responsible to help those in need. Now, I want you to understand that because in verses 3 to 6, he kind of shifts gears a little bit. He begins to talk about personal responsibility, and that's why we're in this text, because that's the series we're in, personal responsibility. And he's going to begin to talk about the fact that we must take responsibility for our own actions. But you need to understand that what he's saying is that as Christians, we are responsible to help those in need. You and I, if we are mature and spiritual, are to help those that are overtaken in a fault. But we should not use that as an excuse to then be irresponsible ourselves. Here's what we're saying. We're saying when someone is financially in trouble as a church, we should do our best to come together and help them, you know, in that crisis. But what that doesn't mean is that for you as a church member, you can go, you know, to Thunder Valley and, and waste your whole paycheck and say, well, you know, the church is there to help me out, right? The idea is that, yes, it's true that as Christians, we are to help those which are in need. But that does not take away from our personal responsibility and our responsibility to and for our actions. And this context kind of builds into this biblical law and principle that we find in verses 7, 8, and 9. If you're taking notes this morning, I'd like you to write down some things. I'd like you to write these statements down. Statement number one is this, and he begins to talk about us comparing ourselves. And I'm going to give you the statement, then I'll make the explanation. Point number one is this, we must not compare ourselves. And he begins by talking about comparing ourselves, and that might seem a little odd to you. I think it'll make sense as we go through the text. But he says, we must not compare ourselves because... When we do, all we do is deceive ourselves. He says, he begins, Paul begins this idea. He's going to end with this principle of reaping and sowing and how it can be leveraged for our good. But he begins by talking about how we should not compare ourselves because when we compare ourselves, all we do is deceive ourselves. Notice verse 3. He says, for if a man think, for if a man think, now remember, verse 3 comes after verses 1 and 2. We just got done telling you that if a man is overtaken in a fault, if you're spiritual, your job is to restore that one. If you, that in verse 2, he says that we are to bear one another's burdens. Now he is shifting gears a little bit, and he says, if a man think himself to be something, because you maybe have helped someone else in time of need, or you have uh, uh, been that mature and spiritual one who has uh, helped someone that was overtaken in a fault, you have 
help to bear one another's burdens. He says, if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, notice these words, he deceiveth himself. Now, that theme is going to be carried through towards the end of this passage. So I want you to remember that. He deceiveth himself. But let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing. Now, why does this man deceive himself? Notice what he says What he says in verse 4. He says, Then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone, and not in another. Now, I want you to understand that the reason that the individual in verse 3 has deceived himself is because he's comparing himself, not himself to himself alone, but himself to another. This person was thinking himself to be something, not by examining himself, but by comparing himself to another. Now, you're there in Galatians. Keep your place in Galatians. That's our text for this morning. But go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter number 10, just real quickly. One book before Galatians, you've got 2 Corinthians chapter number 10. 2 Corinthians chapter number 10. And here's what you need to understand. We must not compare ourselves because when we do, all we do is deceive ourselves. See, when we choose to compare ourselves among ourselves, all we do is deceive ourselves. You say, how is that so? Well, it happens in one of two different ways. The primary way is that we end up comparing ourselves to others, and then we, you know, uh, it causes us to not put forth any more effort in our personal responsibility. You say, why is that? Here's how it goes. You look at someone who's not doing as well as you are, and then you'll say, well, I'm doing better than they are. You know, I don't have to work on myself. I don't have to work on my personal responsibility. I don't have to work on my finances. I don't have to work on my marriage. I don't have to work on my parenting. I don't have to work on myself as a Christian or as an employee or as an employer. I don't have to work on myself in whatever area that we're talking about in life because in that area in which you are comparing yourself to someone else, you might look at someone else and say, well, I'm already doing better than they. I'm already a better father than that guy is or I'm already a better husband than that guy is or I'm already a better wife or mother. I'm already a better employee. I'm already a better Christian than they are. And see, here's what happens when we compare ourselves among ourselves. We deceive ourselves into realizing or into thinking that we do not need to work on ourselves. Because we look at someone who's doing worse than we are and we say, well, I'm already doing better. Now, here's the flip side. On the other side, Sometimes when we compare ourselves, we deceive ourselves because we just make excuses for ourselves. We look at somebody else and say, well, I'm not doing as well as they are financially. I'm not doing as well as they are in this area of life or in this stage of life. I'm not doing as well as they are in my career. But, it, it, but we use that as an excuse. We'll say, yeah, but you know, if I had the opportunities that they had, right? Well, if I, you know, if I would have grown up in the home that they grew up in, Well, if I would have had those parents, or if that would have been my husband, or if that would have been my wife. And here's all I want you to understand. When we compare ourselves among ourselves, all we do, all we do is deceive ourselves because we either use it as an excuse to not work on ourselves by saying, well, I'm already doing better, or we use it as an excuse as to why we can never do better. Because I didn't grow up in that neighborhood, and I didn't grow up in that family, and I didn't have that opportunity, and I didn't have those parents, because I didn't have... And look, 
The Apostle Paul begins by telling us when it comes to personal responsibility, we must not compare ourselves because if a man think himself to be something, what he is nothing, all he does is deceiveth himself. Are you there in 2 Corinthians chapter 10? Look at verse 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 12, he says this, For we dare not make ourselves of the number, or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves. This is the same guy that thinks himself to be something, right? Usually people who compare themselves also commend themselves. They, you know, uh, speak very highly of themselves. I'm doing great in comparison to this poor individual. Notice, but the Bible says this, but they measuring themselves by themselves, comparing themselves among themselves, notice what it says, are not wise. He says, look, you do not want to compare yourself. You say, why? Because when you compare yourself, all you do is deceive yourself. And this is something that is so true of human nature, where we often find, I mean, you see this even in the most spiritual state. It's always funny to me, soul winners comparing themselves to other soul winners. You know, or, or comparing your Bible reading to how much somebody else does Bible reading, or Bible memorization to how much someone else does Bible memorization, or prayer time to how much... You know, we take, take even spiritual things and make them carnal by comparing ourselves. But listen to me. If you compare yourself, you are not wise. It is an unwise thing to do. Why? Because when we compare ourselves, all we do, all we do is deceive ourselves. Deceive ourselves into saying, I'm already doing great, therefore I don't have to take responsibility. Or, I'm not doing that great, but it's not my fault. And we shift the blame. And we pass the buck. Go back to Galatians chapter 6. Let me give you the second statement. Statement number one. I'm going to give you four statements. We're going to look at this principle of reaping and sowing. And then I'm going to make an application. We'll be done. Statement number one. We must not compare because all we do is deceive ourselves. Number two. We must not compare because... What we should be doing is examining ourselves. See, we need not waste our, t- our time and energy comparing ourselves among ourselves because what we should actually be doing is examining ourselves. Notice verse 4. He says, but let every man prove. You see that word prove there? The word prove means to examine or test. The same word that was translated as proved there by our King James translators in other parts of our King James Bible was translated as the word discern, try, examine, trieth, or tried. The word means that you look at something and you discern it, you think about it, you decide whether it's approvable, you examine it, you try it, you test it, you look at it. Notice what he says. He says, but let every man prove, notice, not his work, not her work, not the neighbor's work, not the friend's work, not the other person, not the sister-in-law, not the brother-in-law. He says, let every man prove his own work. So look, he's telling us, don't compare yourself because all you do is deceive yourself. And you shouldn't compare yourself because where you should really be putting your time, where you should really be putting your energy, where you should really be putting all of your concentration is on proving your own work. He says, let every man prove his own work and then shall he have rejoicing. He says, look, God wants you to have rejoicing. God wants you to be proud, not in a sinful way, but in, 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 in the accomplishments and the things that you have done. He says, then you will have rejoicing in himself alone and not as a result of a comparison in another. He says, look, prove yourself. 
Examine yourself. And look, I, I, I want to tell you today, you should take inventory of your life. In whatever area of life we're talking about, whether it's your marriage, whether it's your parenting, whether it's your health, whether it's your finances, whether it's your relationship, whether it's your career, take inventory of your own life. Don't waste time comparing yourself, well, I'm doing better than my brother, or I'm doing better than my sister, or I'm not doing as well as my brother, or I'm not doing as well as my sister, or I'm not doing as well as my brother-in-law, or I'm not doing as well. Look, don't waste your time comparing yourself. All you'll do is deceive yourself. Spend your time taking inventory of your own self, of your own life. Because look, as long as I'm comparing myself to others, I will make no effort because I'm either doing better than them or I will make excuses because I'm not doing as well as them. But I will, make, I, I will not get better at life. But you know what happens? When I compare myself to myself, you know what happens? I make progress. Yeah. When I compare myself to myself, see, I can sit there and say, well, I'm more spiritual than so-and-so because I go soul winning two times a week, and they only go one time a week. Well, I'm more spiritual than so-and-so because I read X amount of chapters a day, and they only read, you know, half of that. But see, when you compare yourselves among yourselves, all you do is deceive yourselves. But when you compare yourself to yourself, you begin to make progress. Because when you realize, you know, I was reading X amount of chapters last year, and I've read that many chapters for the last three years. Maybe this year I'll try to read a few more. Or I memorized X amount of verses last year or chapters last year. And this year, I think I'm going to try to do better. Or I spent a certain amount of time in prayer last year every day. But this year, I think I'm going to try to do more. Or I, you know, whatever it is, whether I I read so many books that helped me in my career last year and this year, I'm going to try to read maybe two or three more. When we compare ourselves to ourselves, we begin to make progress. This is where, by the way, you stop passing the buck. This is where, by the way, you stop saying, well, it's my dad's fault, and it's my mom's fault, and it's the way I was raised, and it's the neighborhood I was raised in. It's the color of my skin, or it's whatever it might be. Look, this is where you stop saying, it's not anybody else's fault. I'm not going to compare myself to anybody else. I am where I am, and I'm taking inventory, and I'm proving my own work. I'm examining my own self, and I'm trying to see. Because look, you say, why? Why? Because when you, when you compare yourselves among yourselves, you deceive yourselves. But when you compare yourself to yourself, you begin to make progress. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1, you don't have to turn there. In fact, you're there in Galatians 6, we're going to look at verse 5, but let me read for you out of Hebrews 12.1. Hebrews 12.1 says this, Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. The Bible says that you and I are running a race, and sometimes we get this idea that we are in competition with each other, but we are not in competition with each other. You say, I'm running a race, who am I racing against? Yourself. Look, I'm not racing against you. I've got my course to run, and you've got your course to run, and my course and your course are different. The opportunities that I've been given, the Bible says, unto whom much is given, much shall be required. And I've been given more opportunities in some areas than maybe you have, and you have been given more opportunities in some areas than maybe I have, and that's okay. I'm not running against you. You're not running against me. I've got my course. You say, who am I running against? Myself. I'm trying to beat my own time. It's my spiritual man against my flesh. And when we compare ourselves, and look, this can be done in whatever area. Church growth. I could sit there and say, well, you know, we've been, I've been in mystery now for eight years, and we're running more people than the guy down the street has been running in eight years. 
And so we can, we can uh, you know, stop doing, uh, start doing less soul winning, start taking more vacation time. You know, we're doing pretty good. And what, what are you doing? All you're doing is deceiving yourself. Or on the flip side, I would say, well, you know, I'm not doing as well as this other guy, but, you know, they're not in California. <laughs> and you begin to go, well, I don't have the opportunities that they I mean, if I lived in Texas, then. And we begin to make excuses for ourselves. But listen to me, all we do is deceive ourselves. Yeah. And we're not running against them anyway. And I'm not running against you anyway. And when we compare ourselves among ourselves, we deceive ourselves. When we compare ourselves to ourselves, we begin to make progress. And you and I have to learn to take inventory for our own lives. In the situations we are in our lives, Galatians chapter 6, verse 5, you say, why? Why, pastor? Look at verse 5. For every man shall bear his own burden." This is the Apostle Paul's way of saying you have to take personal responsibility. You say, why should we not compare ourselves? Here's why. Because at the end of the day, you will bury the consequences of your actions. It doesn't matter if your sister-in-law had it easier. It doesn't matter if the other church has it easier. It doesn't matter if they have it better, if they have it worse. It doesn't matter because you know what? At the end of the day, every man shall bear his own burden. At the end of the day, and that's what we learned about when we talked about passing the buck. The problem with passing the buck is that you can shift the blame and you can say, it's not my fault, it's their fault. If they would have, if she would have, if, if I would have had that opportunity. But look, at the end of the day, you're still the one getting divorced. You're still the one going through bankruptcy. You're still the one having problems. At the end of the day, you're going to have to bear the burden of your own actions and decisions. So quit comparing. It doesn't help you. All it does is deceive you. I want you to notice in verse 6, and we're going to kind of skip verse 6, but I want you to understand verse 6. Verse 6 goes back to that idea that we talked about in verses 1 and 2, where we are responsible to help those in need. He says, let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. And he's trying to remind us, look, you are responsible for your own actions, but that doesn't mean that you're also not responsible to help those in need. We understand that as Christians, we want to try to help those that are truly in need. And then we come to verse 7, and this is really the climax of what we wanted to talk about today. He says, be not deceived, God. God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Here's statement number four. We must not compare. Why? Because the truth is, the truth is that our current state is a result of prior decisions. Say, so why should we not compare? Because the truth of the matter is, if you are honest with yourself, you would realize that your current state your current state, where you find yourself in life today, is really just a result of decisions and actions that you have taken in life. See, when he says, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap, he's teaching us a principle here. And the principle is this, that there are consequences for decisions. There are consequences for actions. Your current state, whatever it might be, look, whatever area of life you want to apply it to, if it's your health, if it's your marriage, if it's your finances, the truth is, and you know this intrinsically, is that your current state, where you are in life today, is a result of decisions and actions that you made. Somewhere along the way, you sowed certain things, and at some point, you will reap. See, where you are today is a result of actions you take in the past. And by the way, 
where you will be tomorrow will be a result of actions and decisions that you make today. You say, why should we not uh, compare ourselves? Well, because all you do is deceive yourself. Why should we not compare ourselves? Because of the fact that you should be investing all of your time in examining yourself. Why would I want to examine myself? Because at the end of the day, you're going to have to live with the consequences of the decisions that you made. And when we examine ourselves, when we examine ourselves, we realize, we realize that our current state is a result of the actions and decisions that we have already made. See, whatever you are reaping today, you sowed it yesterday. And by the way, whatever you will reap tomorrow, you will sow that today. There is a connection between past actions and current state. There will be a connection between current actions and a future state. This is what the principle of sowing and reaping teaches us. I like the quote that's in the bulletin. It says, every action you take is a seed you sow. And every seed you sow is a harvest you'll reap. You'll never change your life until you change your choices. Jack Howes used to say this. He used to say, you will be what you are becoming. You will be what you are becoming. Look, if you don't like who you are, then change it. If you don't like the circumstances of your life, then change it. You have the wonderful privilege to change the future right now. You have the opportunity. If you look down at life and and, and don't like the way it's going, you don't like the way your children are being raised, you don't like the relationship you're developing with your spouse, you don't like how your finances are going, you have the wonderful privilege to change that outcome today. Why? Because our our current state is a result of prior decisions and our future state will be a result of current decisions. You will be what you are becoming. So here's a question I have for you. What are you becoming? Now let me just take a break from the sermon for just a second and just talk to you about this principle of sowing and reaping because it's a law and there are some characteristics to this law and you need to understand it. Notice verse 7, he says this. He says, be not deceived. Be not deceived. Now this is connected back to Galatians 6.3 when he says that he deceived himself. Remember that? He's saying, look, someone that compares themselves among themselves, they deceive themselves. And, but then he says, look, I know you've been deceiving yourself and you've been telling yourself certain things and you've been telling yourself it's not my fault. It's not, you know, the, the, the divorce was not my fault. It was all her fault. It was all his fault. You know, the way that things went down, the, 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 the reason that I had to go into bankruptcy, the, the, the reason that the children had to go live with him or they had to go live with her, it's not my fault. And look, I realize that you've been deceiving yourself and we like to do that, self-talk and lie to ourselves and tell us it's not me, it's them. If I would have had that opportunity, if I would have been married to that individual, if I would have had those parents, then it would have been different. But listen to me, you can deceive yourself all day long, but the one person you will never deceive is God. He says, be not deceived. God is not mocked. Say, why is God not mocked? Here's why God's not mocked. Because God has established a principle, a law, that cannot be broken. See, you will never get away with something with God. You say, why? Because whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. And see, there may have been people or environments or authorities that you were able to fool. I'm amazed at how foolish parents can be sometimes. And I'm a parent, and I'm trying to not be this type of parent. And some of you need to make sure that you don't become this. You know, I mean, your, parents, your kids call you from prison. 
And it's like, you know, my friends were, they were robbing the liquor store. I didn't know that they were going to be robbing the liquor store. You know, I, yeah, you know, the cop found me with a gun, but I, they asked me to hold it. And parents are like, oh, baby, it's you, yeah, yeah. They set you up. It's like, no, they didn't. Your kid's a hoodlum. Oh, they say you, and they pay the money, and it's all this big, it's, it, you know, and it starts from, you know, the teacher's been picking on them, the coach has been picking on them, the counselor's been picking on them, the police, no, no, no one's been picking on them. Now look, and you say, you see, there were environments where you're able to deceive mom, you're able to deceive dad, dad, there's been some sort of mistake, I've got, I, I thought there was money in the account, I wrote all these checks, I don't get it, why did they give me checks if there's no money, Right? And your dad's like, oh, poor, sweetie, sure, I'll your Western Union at where? And see, we, there have been environments where you may have fooled your wife, and you may have fooled your husband, and you may have fooled your mom, or you may have fooled your dad. You may have fooled the judge. You may have fooled the cop. You may, have fooled, you may be so good at not only deceiving yourself, but deceiving others, that you have fooled everyone around you. But there's one person you will never fool. It's God. You say, why is God never fooled? Here's why. Because the principle of sowing and reaping always works. The principle of sowing and reaping always comes to pass. You, you, you cannot sow without one day reaping. The principle of sowing and reaping always works. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. But let me say this. Go, go, go to, you're, you're there in Galatians 6. Keep your place there. Go to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter number 11. If you open your Bible just right in the center, you're more than likely following the book of Psalms. Right after Psalms, you've got the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter number 11. The principle of sowing and reaping always works. Proverbs chapter number 11 and verse 18, notice what the Bible says. Proverbs 11 and verse 18, The wicked worketh a deceitful work, but to him that soweth, now we're talking about this principle of reaping and sowing, but to him that soweth righteousness shall be a, notice this word, sure reward. See that word sure there? It means reliable. It means trustworthy. Here's what he's saying. When you sow, you can be sure that there will be a reward. Why? Because the principle of sowing and reaping always works. Proverbs 22, look at verse 8. You're there in Proverbs 11. Just flip a few pages over. Proverbs 22 and verse 8 says this. Proverbs 22 and verse 8. He that soweth iniquity shall reap. You say, why does it say shall reap? It's confident. It's for sure. Shall reap vanity. And the rod of his anger shall fail. Go to the book of Hosea. Hosea chapter number 8. If you go towards the end of the Old Testament, you find all the big uh, major books of the Bible there. You have Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel. And you've got the small book of Daniel, and you've got the book of Hosea. Let me say this. Number one, the principle of sowing and reaping. Just giving you some thoughts on sowing and reaping. The principle of sowing and reaping will always work. The, re- the principle of sowing and reaping will always work. You cannot sow a bunch of sin and then pray for crop failure. It will always come to pass. It will, it's a sure reward. It will always work. But let me say this, number two, the principle of sowing and reaping will always produce more. See, the truth of the matter is, you put one seed in the ground, a plant comes up, and it produces a lot more fruit than that one seed you planted in the ground. See, not only does the principle of sowing and reaping always work, but the principle of sowing and reaping always produces more. Are you there in Hosea chapter 8? Look at verse 7. Hosea chapter 8, 
Look at verse 7. Notice what he says. He's using, he's using terminology here to try to help us understand this. He says, For they have sown the wind, and they shall reap the whirlwind. Now what's bigger? The wind by itself, or a big old tornado whirlwind? He says, look, when you sow a small amount, you reap a big amount. When you put one seed in the ground, you get a lot more fruit that comes up from that one seed. Why? Because not only does the principle of sowing and reaping always work, not only does the principle of sowing and reaping always, but it always produces more. You sow the wind, you reap the whirlwind. There's a third principle to this idea of sowing and reaping. Keep your finger there in Hebrews. I'm sorry, Hosea. We're going to come right back to it. We go to Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6, look at verse 8. I'm just, we're taking a little break from the sermon. I'm just giving you three principles on sowing and reaping. What, what are the three principles? Number one, sowing and reaping always works. Number two, sowing and reaping always produces more. Number three, the principle of sowing and reaping can be leveraged for either good or bad. See, I want you to understand that the, principle, the, the law of sowing and reaping is, not, is neither good or bad. It's neutral. It's just a law. It's like gravity. It's not good or bad, unless you're a flat earther. But, you know, it's, it's, it just is. You know, gravity doesn't, you know, it, 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 does, it kills people. It, it, I'm sure we use it in science and for different things. But the, the law of gravity, it, it's just, it is what it is. It's just there. It just exists. It's not good. It's not bad. It's just there. And all, gra- you know, all laws of the universe are like that. They're just there. They exist. And we have to learn to leverage them for good or bad. And the principle of sowing and reaping is the same way. It's not good or bad. It just is. And you can leverage it for good, or you can leverage it for bad. Are you there in Galatians 6? Look at verse 8. Notice what he says. He says, For he that soweth to his flesh, that would be bad, shall of the flesh reap corruption. He says, look, the law of sowing and reaping will always work. If you want to sow to the flesh, you're going to reap. What are you going to reap? Corruption. You will always reap, and you will always reap more. And if you want to sow to the flesh, then you will reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. This is not talking about salvation. This is talking about the fact that you can reap in that which is eternal. The rewards will be in, in, in everlasting life. And here's what he's saying. You sow to the Spirit here a little bit, and the rewards will be way more. And we deserve. Why? Because the principle of sowing and reaping is this. Number one, it always works. Number two, it always produces more. And number three, it can be leveraged for either good or bad. We saw there in Proverbs that it said, He that soweth iniquity shall reap vanity. Go, go to Hosea chapter 10. Hosea chapter 10. Look at verse 12. Hosea chapter 10, verse 12. Hosea 10 and verse 12 says this, Sow to yourselves in righteousness. This is a good sowing. Hosea chapter 10 verse 12, Sow to yourselves in righteousness. Notice what he says, Reap in mercy. Why? Because the principle can be leveraged for either good or bad. You say, Pastor, why are we learning about the sowing and reaping? Here's why. Because the truth is that your current state is a result of prior decisions. See, whatever you're experiencing in life right now You have been leveraging, whether you understood it or not, your entire life, you have been leveraging a principle of sowing and reaping. And you you may have not even realized it, but here's what you need to understand. Look, if I'm going to play a game, I want to know what the rules are. And if I'm going to play the game of life, and God throws in this this law called the law of sowing and reaping, I want to know what the rules are. And here are the rules. You will always reap what you sow. It's a sure thing. 
and you will always reap more than you sow. By the way, this is why sometimes people, you know, will make, they'll make statements like this. A, a wife will say, well, I, haven't, I don't feel like I've been that bad of a wife. I don't understand how, you know, it seems like the problems in my marriage are, are so much bigger than the problems that I brought into my marriage. Whether a wife would say that or a husband would say that. But here's the reason why. You may only reap a little bit, but you will always sow more. You reap the wind. You, you, you sow the wind, excuse me. You reap the whirlwind. You always reap what you sow. You always reap more than you sow. And this, and this law can be leveraged. This law can be leveraged for either good or bad. You can sow to the flesh and reap corruption. You can sow to the spirit and reap life everlasting. Go back to Galatians chapter 6. And we're going to finish up. Galatians chapter 6. Let me just quickly review what we've talked about. We've been learning about not comparing. Why? Well, we don't, we don't, look, we must not compare because when we compare ourselves among ourselves, all we do is deceive ourselves. Either by saying, I'm doing better than they are, and therefore I don't have to work on myself, or by saying, I'm not doing as well as they are, but I didn't have the opportunities they had either, and we make excuses for ourselves. We have learned that we must not compare ourselves because we should be putting our energy into just examining ourselves, looking taking inventory of our own lives and trying to figure out, where am I in life? And we have to, you say, why? Here's why. Because at the end of the day, we must not compare ourselves because at the end of the day, we will have to bear our own burdens. We will have to suffer our own consequences. This is called personal responsibility. And the truth of the matter is that we must not compare ourselves because our current state is a result of prior decisions. Your pastor, your man, it's okay. What do we do? Here's what we do. Three things. Number one, don't pass the buck. You should already know that, right? Don't pass the buck. Don't shift the blame. Don't, don't say, well, only if it was, look, take ownership for the portion of blame that belongs to you. Even if it's not all yours. This is the problem that we have when we try to, you know, have people uh, have conflict resolution. Is that it, it takes two to tango. You've got something to blame in this area. If you're fighting with your spouse or with a friend or with your employer or whatever it might be, you've got to take responsibility. Maybe they get 95% and you only get 5%. Maybe they get 99% and you only get 1%. But we must learn to be people who are high in personal responsibility and say, you know what, I'm willing to take ownership for the blame that belongs to me. Don't pass the buck. Don't shift the blame. Don't, don't say, well, it's because, look, all you're going to do is deceive yourself. Number two, decide that the buck stops here, right? Don't worry about everyone else. Decide that I'm the one that has to bear the burden. I'm the one that has to bear the consequences. I'm the one that's going to have to pay that bill. I'm the one that's going to have to deal with it. So since I'm the one that's going to have to deal with it, then I'm just going to go ahead and deal with it. I'm not going to pass the buck. I'm going to decide the buck stops here. But quit worrying about everyone else, how everybody else is doing, what house they live in and what neighborhood they live in and how big their 401k is, what kind of car they drive. I'm going to quit worrying about all that. Just worry about myself. And then number three, you must determine to buck up. You must determine to buck up. Notice Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing, 
Let us not be weary in well-doing. Why? For in due season, notice, it's a sure thing, we shall reap if we faint not. You say, Pastor Mendes, what do you mean by bucking up? Here's what I mean. The person who's not constantly looking over the fence and looking at someone else and determines that I'm going to take responsibility for my actions and I'm just going to work with what I've got to work with, whatever lot was given to me in life, whatever neighborhood I grew up in, whatever parents I was given, whatever you know, decisions I've made, those are the consequences that I am going to have to burden. That person needs to just look at the future and just buck up. And instead of saying, well, it's not my fault, say, what can I do about it today? Because remember... The principle of reaping and sowing did not only get you to where you are in life, the principle of reaping and sowing will get you to where you are going in life. Say, what do you mean? Here's what I mean. Begin to do. If you've you've missed everything in the sermon, just don't miss this. If you've written nothing down in the sermon, maybe write this down. Begin to do today what you should have been doing all along. Say, Pastor Jimenez, my finances are a mess. And I've been shifting the blame, and I've been blaming others, but the truth of the matter is, if I really take ownership over my own actions, maybe I did swipe that credit card more times than I should have. And that one credit card that I opened up in case of an emergency, and I guess, you know, Christmas wasn't really an emergency, since it happens every year on the same day. You know, maybe that trip, that vacation, that cruise wasn't exactly an emergency. You know, maybe I shouldn't have... Bought that car, or may, you know, I, I knew my wife said that maybe we couldn't afford that house, and I just wanted it anyway. You know, whatever it is, just realize that wherever you are in life, financially, this is just financial. That's something we can all put our heads around, grab our head around. You know, I am at the place I am in life because of the decisions that I made. You say, okay, well, what do I do? Here's what you do. You begin to do today what you should have been doing all along. So what do you do? You start budgeting. You start paying off debt. You start saving. You begin to leverage the principle of reaping and sowing for good. So what do I do? I begin to do today what I should have been doing all along. Pastor Jimenez, I've lost the heart of my children. They don't respect me. I don't have influence over them. They they don't listen to me. They listen to their friends more. They listen to their little boyfriend, their little girlfriend. And look, someone who's high in personal responsibility might say, you know, I didn't think I was that terrible of a parent, but I, I guess I, I will take responsibility for the fact that I, I, I did go and take that job, which took me away from the home mom for 40 hours a week. You know, I, I, I did go ahead and allow them to be influenced by kids that I, I knew that I shouldn't have let them to be around and maybe I didn't stand up to them or maybe I just was being lazy with my discipline and I'm just going to go ahead and take ownership over that right now. You say, but what do I do now? Because I've already been reaping what I've been sowing. I'm already where I am in life. What do I do now? Here's what you do. You begin to do today what you should have been doing all along. Hey, Pastor Jimenez, my marriage is falling apart. My marriage is falling apart. And I don't think I was as bad as she makes it out to be, or I don't think he was as good as he makes it, or, you know, I don't think I was as bad as as he thinks or as she thinks, and I, you know, but, but, you know, I I, I guess I I will take ownership for the fact that when the baby was born, I did kind of check out. That maybe I didn't give her all the time she needed, or I didn't give him all the attention he needed, and why don't you just take ownership for your life right now and just decide, you know what, I'm going to begin to leverage the law of reaping and sowing because whatever has happened has already happened. And the state that I find myself in is a result of the decisions that I made. 
But from here on, I can begin to do what I should have been doing all along. Look, whether it's your career, whether it's your education, whether it's your finances, whether it's your marriage, whether it's your child rearing, whatever area in life it is, you can begin today to do what you should have been doing all along. Now, let me just warn you. Let me just warn you. You're not going to budget today and be out of debt tomorrow. You're not going to start being nice to your husband today and tomorrow he's going to be taking you to Hawaii. It's going to take time. It took time for you to get where you're at right now. Look, it took time for you to gain all that weight. It took time for you to get in all that debt. It took time for you to make all those enemies. Look, it took time for you to get to wherever you are in life right now. So realize, notice what he says, verse 9, and let us not be weary in well-doing. He says, don't get tired in well-doing. Why? Because the truth is this. In due season, we shall reap. Here's a trick. If we faint not, realize that it's going to take some time to see results. But you know what a responsible person does? Someone who's high in personal responsibility. They say, I'm not going to shift the blame. I'm not going to sit here and say, well, yeah, but if I would have had what they had, I'm not going to make excuses. I'm just, going to, I'm just going to take ownership for the blame. I'm going to take my part of it and place it upon my shoulders. I'm going to say the buck stops here. It's me, because at the end of the day, blaming them doesn't change my lot in life. Blaming them doesn't make their marriage bad. Blaming them doesn't make their finances bad. Blaming them doesn't make them depressed. It just hurts me. And I'm going to begin today, I'm going to begin today to do what I should have been doing all along. And as we begin to leverage the principle of sowing and reaping, we will, begin, we will be able to, like he says, rejoice in ourselves alone. So the question is this, what will you sow? tomorrow. Hey, teenagers, what kind of marriage are you going to have 10 years from now? The decisions you're making right now will affect the marriage that you will have 10 years from now. The things you are hiding from your parents on that computer will affect your marriage in the future because you will reap what you sow. The way you treat your parents, the way you develop those relationships, the arrogancy, the pride, whatever it might be, look, whatever it might be, you just realize it. Just, just realize it. You will be what you are becoming. And if you don't like what you are becoming, you have the wonderful privilege to change it right now. It's called reaping and sowing. And people who are high in personal responsibility, they learn to leverage this principle for good. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for the Bible. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be people of high personal responsibility. Lord, I pray that you would help us...